Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Nine. Twelve. Ten. Twenty-eight. Two. Twenty-three. This is Deep State Radio, coming to you direct from our super-secret studio in the third sub-basement of the Ministry of SNARK in Washington, D.C., and from other undisclosed locations across America and around the world. Hello, and welcome to another episode of National Security Magazine. I'm David Rothkopf, your host. Today, we're very happy to be joined uh, once again by Ted Liu, a congressman from California's 33rd Congressional District, a member of the House Judiciary Committee and the Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, welcome, Congressman. Thank you, David. Uh, uh, today, the Judiciary Committee is dominating in the news as uh, Chairman Nadler announced uh, the uh, beginning of a new phase uh, in the impeachment investigation. Uh, and I'm wondering if you could start by giving us a sense of what is new and why this is significant. Sure. Uh, we've been in an impeachment inquiry, which essentially means that the House Judiciary Committee has been holding hearings and doing investigations to decide whether or not we should pass articles of impeachment against Donald Trump. This procedure vote today puts in some new procedures that allows us to handle grand jury information. They give staff additional authority to interview witnesses. It basically uh, will give us more tools to continue conducting our investigation. Uh, the Nadler statement seemed to indicate that there will be several paths for the investigation, including obstruction, but also looking at um, emoluments and, and other such issues. Uh, and I guess one question is, how do you pursue several paths at once? Uh, is, 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 is the, are there sufficient resources within the Judiciary Committee to handle the scope of the issues here? You yourself have noted that the, the president seems to have committed a, a, a considerable number of felonies, which would su suggest uh, uh, several uh, rather substantial avenues of investigation. Uh, that's a great question. So one of the procedures that we authorize today is to allow subcommittees of the full Judiciary Committee to do this investigation and to hold hearings uh, on the impeachment inquiry. Uh, so uh, that will free up additional resources. And in terms of obstruction of justice, uh, there is a mountain of evidence that Donald Trump committed multiple felonies. With regards to the campaign finance uh, violation. Uh, Michael Cohen is sitting in prison right now because he engaged in a criminal scheme uh, to use hush money payments to silence two women who had stories about affairs with Donald Trump during the campaign. We also know uh, that Donald Trump wrote the checks uh, for part of this criminal scheme. Uh, any other American faced with this uh, fact would be sitting next to Michael Cohen in prison. Uh, the reason the president has not been indicted is because of a Department of Justice policy that says we can't indict a sitting president. 
So we'll be investigating that issue as well. And then we'll be looking at how the president is profiting off the presidency through violations of the emoluments clause. Will you be doing investigation into other financial doings of the president, which could in fact link back to the Russia um, ties? And, you know, one of the things that seems missing from this list is the idea of any collusion between the Russia, the Russian government, the Trump campaign. Is that a kind of off the radar for now? Uh, No, uh, there are actually multiple committees during investigations. So the House Financial Services Committee and the House Intelligence Committee are jointly investigating any uh, possible financial crimes that uh, Donald Trump may have committed. And their House Judiciary Committee has also asked for information uh, from those two committees uh, as well. Uh, But we do have other committees ongoing who are going to continue the investigation. And the special counsel specifically did not look into any uh, possible financial crimes he believed was outside his jurisdiction. Uh, So uh, depending on what the House Intel and House Financial Services Committee finds, uh, that could also be a possible additional um, felonies that the president committed. Now, one of the things that sort of created a little kerfuffle in the news today was that uh, Speaker Pelosi seemed a little bit reluctant to talk much about the the the, the, the we well, use the term impeachment very much, um, and there seems to be some division still um, within the Democratic leadership about. Um, how aggressively to pursue this, whether this is, uh, uh, in fact, an impeachment inquiry that's going to go someplace, uh, whether there's any point to pursuing an impeachment inquiry uh, with the almost certain um, uh, vote in the Senate not to convict because of the Republican majority and the stance of uh, Majority Leader McConnell. And so you know, what are people to make of that? Is there a division in the Democratic Party? Is there a lack of clarity? Uh, or is there a clear path? Uh, so we're a Big Ten caucus. We have uh, lots of uh, different members with different districts and different views on different issues. Uh, but everything the Judiciary Committee did today uh, has signed off by Speaker Pelosi. So she is very aware uh, that we passed this procedural vote. Uh, she's very aware that we've passed or filed uh, court papers uh, stating we're in an impeachment investigation, which we are. And um, there is no daylight uh, between uh, what the Judiciary Committee did today and what the Speaker's office understands what we did today. Of course, we're entering a um, presidential election cycle. We've got uh, a Democratic uh, debate even tonight, uh, the day that we're recording this, Thursday, September 12th. Um, and so an impeachment inquiry could have fairly substantial political consequences. Obviously, we we can't know exactly where it's going to lead, but can you give us a sense of what the timeline would be and whether this is something that's likely to be protracted uh, and extend out into next year, whether it's something that's likely to produce uh, televised hearings that might have bigger political effect than some other approaches? How is it likely to impact the political season? Uh, 
Every uh, public hearing the Judiciary Committee does, uh, the press can choose to cover it or not. So we can't really control what they choose to cover. Uh, but uh, most of these uh, hearings will be in the public. Uh, in terms of timing, uh, I do believe that a decision uh, will need to be made before the end of the year. Uh, it is very clear uh, that uh, Donald Trump committed multiple felonies. Now, what members of Congress choose to do with that fact is up to their conscience and their districts. And at some point, their House Democratic Caucus is going to make a decision as to whether or not we uh, pass articles of impeachment against Donald Trump. And whatever the caucus decides, uh, I will respect. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been doing a little bit of research into this for a book. And one of the things that's striking about the era in which we live is the scope of the crimes that are involved. And if you go back and you look at the uh, impeachment articles that were fielded against Andrew Johnson, Richard Nixon, and Bill Clinton, the three presidents who have had such articles drafted uh, with regard to them, um, you could effectively apply all of them to Trump. The Johnson um, articles focused a lot on uh, the president uh, ignoring laws passed by Congress, uh, sidestepping the Congress, treating the Congress badly. Of course, Nixon had obstruction of justice. Uh, Clinton, uh, which you know tie, tied into a, a sex scandal, also had uh, a lying to to the Congress. Trump's done all this and more. I mean, you know, if if you just uh, you know, lay lay out what you what you've just laid out. It's stronger case than any of the three that have preceded it. Uh, seems quite striking to me that it's a an open issue about whether this is going to be pursued in the long run. Uh, you are correct about uh, those prior presidents. Uh, the Republicans uh, impeach Bill Clinton uh, because he lied about uh, an affair. Uh, Donald Trump actually wrote checks of hush money payments to silence two women from whom he had affairs with, and those are felony campaign finance law violations for which his co-conspirator Michael Cohen is sitting in prison right now. Uh, and then in terms of obstruction of justice, uh, the special counsel documented 10 instances in volume two of his report. For at least five of those instances, he said there was substantial evidence uh, of obstruction of justice. And that's many more counts uh, than uh, what Richard Nixon uh, is alleged to have done. Uh, so the conduct of Donald Trump is far worse than any prior president. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. So let's let's sort of open up the conversation a little bit more. You uh, uh, both serve on the Judiciary and on the Foreign Affairs Committee, uh, and and there's been some other news in that regard. Um, and if I can shift gears a little bit, I think I'll be able to close the circle in a moment. But um, the National Security Advisor um, has departed office. He, of course, is the third National Security Advisor to serve under this president. Um, and so when he a replacement uh, is appointed, if a replacement is appointed, that would be the fourth. That's the most that we've ever seen in one term for one president. Um, but beyond this, we seem to have reached a point where the, the role of the National Security Advisor um, has been diminished. Bolton was not in key meetings on Afghanistan, not invited 
to the summit with Kim Jong-un. He's essentially been turfed out. But even more importantly to people who follow this on the inside, there haven't been principals meetings of the NSC. Um, there haven't been deputies meetings. There is no process to take advantage of the perspectives of the various parts of the U.S. government. The president's making these decisions on his own. That would be dangerous if he were experienced and stable, but he's inexperienced and erratic. And I'm wondering what kind of concerns uh, this breakdown of a process that traces its roots back to the National Security Act of 1947. Um, I'm wondering what your con how, how concerned you are about where we are. Uh, so the House Democrats on the Foreign Affairs Committee are deeply concerned, and it's not even that Trump doesn't have much experience in foreign policy. It's that he also seems to make decisions based on what he sees on Fox News. And then he would launch a tweet, and that could have all sorts of uh, ramifications uh, of which he may or may not have considered. And at least and you're not comfortable speech. with it. you're not comfortable with the idea of Lou Dobbs as our national security advisor. Uh, I actually am not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, in terms of uh, domestic policy, the president, you know, has said in the past that uh, he wants to be unpredictable. I mean, I can see maybe sometimes in domestic policy you might want to do that, but it's really stupid in foreign policy to be unpredictable. Uh, you want uh, your allies uh, to understand where the United States stands, what our positions are, um, what our goals are, what our strategy is. And after more than two and a half years, you're simply asking a very simple question of, well, what is the Trump doctrine in foreign policy? Uh, no one can answer that uh, other than to say, well, he really likes Vladimir Putin. But beyond that, you can't really go to any central strategic idea. You can't uh, really understand what the president is doing in a number of different areas. Uh, he'll say one thing, and then his administration will do something completely opposite. Or he'll tweet something, and then he'll forget about it. And so it is uh, very hard for our allies and uh, others in the world to not only understand what the president is doing, but to trust this administration. Well, you know, with with that in view, and 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 sort of linking it back to the question that we were talking about at the outset, you know, Robert Mueller, um, in the the first volume of his findings, says that they were unable to find evidence of conspiracy. They note that in part that was due to the fact that uh, witnesses did not cooperate, principals did not cooperate, some of them lied, and so. It was difficult for them to get to the facts. Um, but of course, the standards uh, with regard to impeachment, the standards with regard to criminal conspiracy charges are quite different. And when you look at what happened, the president of the United States clearly embraced the involvement of the Russian government in the campaign. Uh, and uh, subsequently, not only defended um, uh, the actions of the Russians uh, and took the side of uh, Vladimir Putin over that of the intelligence community in evaluating what had happened. But there have been a series of systematic decisions in an otherwise incoherent foreign policy that you just alluded to when you said he, he seems to be 
you know, fond of Vladimir Putin, but it goes beyond being fond of Vladimir Putin. The president has essentially given Putin a pass in Ukraine and is apparently not following through with providing aid to the Ukraine, which would enable them to uh, resist the Russians. He's given the Russians the lead in Syria. Uh, the current talks with regard to Afghanistan uh, have the Russians uh, in a central role in the U.S., uh, almost deferring to that Russian role, which works to their advantage. Uh, we have pulled out of the international, uh, the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Agreement, uh, which has given a, a kind of an opening to the Russians as, as well as to us to re-enter an arms race. There's talk of doing the same thing in the New START Agreement. And of course, perhaps most damagingly, the president has attacked NATO allies while defending Putin, uh, promoted Brexit, promoted the weakening of the EU, um, uh, uh, and it actually in, in instigated some conflict with the EU in terms of trade. It looks to me, as an ob observer, that there is a very strong case that the Russians have directly benefited from their aid to Trump. And whereas that might not be a, uh, a, a crime that Robert Mueller could prosecute, it seems to me to be something that Americans should be seriously concerned about and that that too might be the subject uh, of, of investigation uh, within the House. Am I reading too much into that or, or do you think that's, that, that, that there is a there there with that case? I don't disagree with anything you have said. Uh, uh, te now, so technically, Rob Merler didn't find that there was no conspiracy. What he said was there was essentially insufficient evidence uh, to meet the elements of a criminal conspiracy. But what he did find is that the Trump campaign uh, knew about the Russian attack on our elections. They welcomed it. They planned a campaign strategy around this uh, attack. Uh, and uh, they uh, knew it was going to benefit Donald Trump. And then in terms of policy, since the president has been elected, you laid out very clearly that Trump uh, has been uh, basically taking all the talking points of Vladimir Putin and championing them. Uh, and at the G7, it was quite distressing to see uh, the president fighting harder to try to get Russia into the G7 instead of fighting for American interests at the G7. Mm -hmm. And uh, I am still uh, mystified as to why uh, Trump seems scared of Putin and seems to constantly uh, want to please him. Uh, it is very distressing. Well, there seems to be a pattern there. Um, uh, it, it, may, it may not be that mystifying. Uh, Putin uh, has aided Trump since the beginning, even when a lot of people you know, in the Republican Party weren't aiding Trump and and uh, has continued to to do so. But, you know, uh, Trump in, in, in making his rationale for letting go Bolton said, you know, Kim Jong-un didn't like Bolton, didn't want to have anything to do with him. Um, he seems to have a kind of soft spot for um, uh, these uh, uh, authoritarians around the world. Uh, and seems to be giving them uh, uh, precedence over his own advisors, the Congress, the intelligence community, 
Um, uh, and, you know, I mean, we have another recent case uh, where we, 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 we've heard uh, that, that uh, Trump, you know, was presented with evidence of the Russian intervention and simply said, I believe Putin. I don't believe you. Uh, it's kind of, kind of extraordinary where we are. And now, by the way, you know, we have the Justice Department. I'd be interested in your response to this. We have the Justice Department essentially looking like they're going to go ahead and try to prosecute Andrew McCabe, uh, which looks like retaliation for his efforts to investigate the Trump-Russia scheme. Do you, do you have a comment on that? I have not followed closely what they're going to prosecute Andrew McCabe on, but from what I recall, uh, when this issue came up with the Judiciary Committee last term, is that uh, Andrew McCabe was um, basically uh, being investigated, being criticized for uh, leaking to press negative information about the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, so uh, Andrew McCabe was in no way um, hurting Donald Trump. Uh, in, in that action, who's actually helping the Trump campaign and hurting the Clinton campaign. Uh, so uh, if, you know, administration wants to keep highlighting that issue, I, I mean, they're welcome to do it. I don't know exactly why they would do that. Uh, and then um, in regards to North Korea, it's another example of where, you know, the president uh, has not made a deal and, in fact, has given away a lot to the North Koreans with no, basically nothing, not much in return. So as of right now, North Korea has not gotten rid of a single nuclear missile, a single nuclear weapon, any of their chemical weapons stockpile. Instead, from the public reporting, North Korea has increased their nuclear fuel output. They have hidden their missile bases. And over uh, the last few months, they've launched a whole bunch of various kinds of missiles, uh, all in violation of uh, the UN. And so uh, as we say to you today, uh, it's clear that North Korea uh, has uh, been getting stronger and the U.S. has been losing position. Um, yes, I think that's true. In fact, I think most of the negotiations that have taken place uh, led by Trump initiatives, whether it's uh, North Korea or Iran. I mean, you know, we've been losing ground. Now you have the president talking about approving $15 billion loan to the Iranians after he was criticizing uh, giving you know a fraction of a fraction of that uh, of, of Iranian money back to the Iranians as part of the JCPOA deal, um, and so you know it seems like he he's 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 almost on the verge of agreeing to pay for a deal with the Iranians to replace the one that we already had. Again, it shows massive incoherence uh, in. Uh, Trump's policy. And uh, what also bothers me a lot is that you have Republican enablers uh, in the U.S. House and Senate uh, that just don't speak up when they uh, see the president being hypocritical, when they see him taking actions um, not in the best interest of the United States. Uh, they're remarkably silent, and I find that deeply disturbing as well. Uh, yeah, no, that's undoubtedly true. I know you've got to go and catch a, a flight, and, and I don't want to keep you longer. Um, thank you very, very much for joining us, and hopefully we'll be able to continue the conversation sometime soon. Thank you. Anytime. All right. Thank you. Uh,
We've been speaking with Congressman Ted Lube, California's 33rd Congressional District. Uh, please uh, join us again for conversations like this every week on National Security Magazine and go to the DSRnetwork.com for our other podcasts and content. Thank you very much. Deep State Radio is a production of the Deep State Radio Network, a division of TRG Interactive Media. Our podcast today was produced in cooperation with Goat Rodeo Productions and was supervised by Ian Enright. Join us again for another episode of Deep State Radio. If you don't, we know where to find you.